Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, the rise of the November canola contract continues after hitting a low of around $611 back in May. We'll hear from PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo on canola and wheat markets over the last few days. Manitoba Agriculture has issued its latest crop pest update. Provincial entomologist Dr. John Gavlowski will join us on the program. One of the guest speakers at Ag in Motion yesterday afternoon was the Director of Markets and Weather Information for Glacier Farm Media. We'll hear from Bruce Burnett, who took a spin around the prairies to take a look at the crops, and he didn't really like what he saw. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers biomeal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we had some rain and even some hail here in Yorkton last night. The weather seems to be a lot different, though, today. Yeah, and there's still a chance of a shower or a thunderstorm, but not much of one. Looking around right now, there is virtually nothing. In fact, a couple of things are trying to determine if they're actually uh, false returns or not because they are so tiny. So and right now, nothing. But I'm still watching for the possibility for a few more showers to flare up this afternoon. We're seeing some uh, south of the border. Not that that is close to us because the weather system is um, more dropping eastward, but still it tells us there is a little instability around and the high is actually the ridge of the, the center of the ridge of high pressure is centered a little to our south. So the fact that showers are setting up there tells me we do have the potential because we're still basically the northern edge of the ridge and that allows this little disturbance that's tracking through for this afternoon to uh, not be overly burdened by the high, we'll say. Uh, so that chances there are only a 25% chance of a storm where anything pops, it'll be heavy. We're, we've seen that uh, to be the case with most of the showers and storms of late, and uh, no real change in that today. Right around 26 for the high, not a whole lot of wind. That likely picks up just for a few hours through the afternoon. More often than not, on the low end of a 15 to 25, but again, those few hours, getting closer to 20, maybe 25 26 this afternoon, 14 the low tonight. Any showers that set up through the evening will diminish pretty quickly and will clear out overnight with that 14-degree uh, low. Tomorrow, 27 is the high, mostly sunny sky. Not overly concerned for any shower threat tomorrow. There is still uh, a little disturbance that will be cutting across. I think the best chance for showers will be uh, well north of us. And then uh, for the uh, evening hours, may get in for areas to central Saskatchewan, but uh, really not a big threat for us. 
14 degrees to low tomorrow night. The wind settles down, becoming nearly calm, and the ridge does build in. That ridge, which is right now just to our west, it takes a couple of days to get here because it's just not moving. It's comfortable where it is. It's a, a weak block, but a block nonetheless. And as it slowly meanders in, temperatures getting knocked, uh, notched up a few degrees. We go from a little above normal to a little more above normal. 29 on Sunday, the threat with that frontal passage for a few showers and storms briefly during the afternoon. Monday is likely dry at 30 under a sunny sky. And Tuesday, uh, we'll be keeping a chance of a shower, a slight chance, and that and extends anywhere from Monday night through the day on Tuesday. Likely very few of those around, but uh, just a little extra instability from an upper-level disturbance, which is actually going to be cutting to our east. So we're not in the core of it, but close enough and uh, unstable enough with the, uh, with the warming that we could just pop a storm Tuesday afternoon. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw, Dauphin, and Brandon are at 25 degrees, Swan River and Show Lake Russell 24, Roblin 23. Regina and Saskatoon reporting in at 26 degrees, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head 25, Hudson Bay 24, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 23. The Yorkton-Melville region has a partly cloudy sky, a west wind at 15 kilometers an hour. 51% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 24 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 21 degrees and dropped to a low of 11 degrees. Environment Canada says we had no precipitation, but I know for a fact we had rain and hail last night, so we had some precipitation anyway. The normal high for this date is 24 degrees. The normal low is 12 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 4.58 this morning, and it will set at 8.54 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Kelsey Dam at 28 degrees. The cold spot was Thompson at 6 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was a tie between Key Lake and Island Falls. They both got up to 27 degrees. The cold spot was South End at 8 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. It's time now to check in once again with Olivia Shearer. GX94, AgriView. Local 502 of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union Canada says it will hold an emergency contract caucus today to decide if a tentative agreement in the BC port workers dispute will be sent to the full membership for ratification. But neither the union's leaders nor the BC Maritime Employers Association are confirming that. The union rejected a previous tentative deal brokered by a federal mediator. Wheat is finally becoming a sexy crop after years of being the ugly duckling. That's according to Stephen Nicholson, global grains and oilseed strategist for Rabobank, who says a series of supply-side threats is making things exciting. Canada's crops are withering in the fields. Markets Farm is forecasting 30.4 million metric tons of all wheat production, well below the U.S. Department of Agriculture's latest prediction of 35 million metric tons. The U.S. winter wheat crop was a disappointment, 
and the country's spring wheat crop is suffering through dry conditions. Argentina recently harvested a terrible crop, and the new one is off to a rough start. Conditions initially looked good in the European Union, but it turned hot and dry, and yields are shrinking. And El Nino could be wreaking havoc in India and Southeast Asia, and China has quality problems due to harvest rains. Dry weather across the Canadian prairies may be cutting into barley production prospects, keeping domestic feed prices underpinned for the time being, despite the likelihood of large corn imports from the United States. Alberta's barley crop was only rated 43% good to excellent in the latest weekly report, well off the 75% reading in mid-July a year ago. The situation was similar in Saskatchewan, with just under half of the province's barley hitting the good to excellent category as of July 10th. Seeded barley area in Canada was up on the year, but the poor yield prospects will likely cut into available supplies. A report compiled for the Manitoba Crop Alliance by Left Field Commodity Research says reduced yields and a smaller barley crop will force reductions in Canadian exports and domestic feed use as imported corn increases its presence in Western Canada again. A ransomware attack on a small Ontario hog business is something a cybersecurity expert says needs more attention from the agriculture industry. Instead of cash, the attackers demanded the hog business owners publicly admit to what they alleged to be livestock mistreatment. The occurrence was unique and alarming, according to Ali Degantana, Canada Research Chair in Cybersecurity and Threat Intelligence, at the University of Guelph's Cyber Science Lab. The lab offers a four-fee support service for those managing cyber attacks and cybersecurity. While the number of cybersecurity incidents across Ontario's agriculture industry has been rapidly increasing overall, he says the cashless ransomware attack against the family hog business, an incident he and his colleagues helped the family resolve, highlights what could become a wider trend in the tactics used by special interest actors. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Vershinin has accused Ukraine of using a grain export corridor in the Black Sea to launch terrorist attacks against Russian interests, including one this week on the Crimean Bridge. Vershinin was addressing a briefing about Russia's decision on Monday to quit the year-old Black Sea grain deal in which Russia had guaranteed safe passage to ships exporting grain from Ukraine's seaports, despite what it calls its special military operation in Ukraine. Russia said a parallel memorandum pledging to facilitate its own food and fertilizer exports had been ignored. Since then, it has said any vessels traveling to Ukraine will be assumed to be carrying weapons, and their flag countries will be considered parties to the war. Ukraine has denied using the corridor for military purposes, but Vershinin alleged, without providing evidence, that there had been several instances of this. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in a few moments, but first let's head back out once again to Olivia Shearer. 
Thank you so much, Doug. I am in Kenora, and I want to tell you about Kenora Equipment Rental. They are your steel dealer. They have weed whackers, leaf blowers, chainsaws, gas, and battery powered. They have lawnmower parts and service. They also have the largest selection of the lawnmower blades in the entire parkland. And they just they don't rent just lawnmowers. No, no, no. They rent equipment of all kind, interior and exterior equipment. Why buy it when you could rent it? It's for the do-it-yourselfer and the home handy person. If you have a family wedding, reunion, or other family function this year, Kenora Equipment Rentals can supply you with tables and chairs, porta-potties. They have enclosed moving trailers for the do-it-yourself mover. They have power man lifts, tower lights, chainsaws, lawn aerators, and an excellent selection of replacement lawn mower blades. Their motto? Get her done. Kenora Equipment Rentals, they're located on the south end of Kenora off Norway Road. That's highway number nine. Or give them a little call at 563-4402 and make sure to get your butt down here to Kenora because it is the final day of Bloomfest. I can see the vendors getting all set up for the vendor market. That is starting at three. And the CN Station Museum is absolutely beautifully decorated. That's going to start around five with a big old D. Plan, and I am actually on location in front of the CN station. So make sure that you come on down, enter in to win 5K the easy way, and come on down to enjoy the rest of Bloomfest in the town of Kenora. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's partly cloudy and 24 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The rise of the November canola contract continues after hitting a low of around $611 back on May 31st. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says November canola reached a high yesterday of $851, and while it was down a bit in early morning trading today, it was up $10 a metric ton on the week. We've, again, seen a, a massive rally in this November canola contract since June 1st, the low 617 a ton, and again, sitting at about 830 right now. So over $200 a ton just in the last almost couple months here. However, we, we start to see now maybe a little bit of resistance or a ceiling here. I've mentioned on, on the show here, as well as to clients, that 840 I saw as a bit of a technical resistance. Uh, we have hit that, and it seems that we might be showing maybe a little bit of, of kind of profit taking and some selling here right now. It seems that there has been some extreme heat and kind of ongoing dry conditions in the U.S., um, and that's definitely been supportive for the soil markets. And then here in Canada, again, it's quite dry in very many areas. And a lot of farms that I've been talking to, it's coming down to crunch time, whether the the rain is going to help or not. So one thing that I'm telling producers not to forget is that this USDA significantly reduced soybean acres, which does lower the bar on the amount of damage required to ignite further supply panic buying on the soybean side. So that's something that, again, could maybe limit the upside on the soy markets and maybe limit canola here kind of in the short term as well. 
He says wheat prices are following a similar pattern. Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride this week, especially with the drone strikes in the Ukrainian ports. So that sent uh, wheat flying here higher this week, uh, with on Wednesday going up 50 cents a bushel, approximately on the Chicago side of things. Uh, so that definitely added again some some fear to to traders. So I'm kind of seeing again, like you mentioned, a bit of a range here now for the markets. I I don't believe that we're going significantly higher kind of in the meantime. uh, Minneapolis wheat in particular has really just been trading between around kind of the $8.790 a bushel area on the September contract up to this $9 area. So about a dollar a bushel range. And I'm, I'm not seeing again much more upside potentially right now, maybe unless the drier conditions persist. And Pacallo says there's been some other factors influencing commodity prices as well. Well, kind of looking at the overall markets in general, the U.S. markets and the stock side of things are pushing to new all-time highs with the NASDAQ leading the way, the S&P, the Dow recently doing it. And that's kind of giving investors, I think, a little bit more sense of you know wanting to get into some different areas. Uh, the U.S. dollar, again, pushed to, to a low, a 15-month low here uh, kind of this week. Uh, it has since reversed a little bit higher, uh, maybe putting a little bit of downward pressure on commodities. But overall, it seems that... Uh, Again, investors are watching just different factors, whether it's the weather or nobody knows if there's going to be a drone strike tomorrow. But overall, when the investor's appetite for risk is higher uh, on the stock side, that usually bodes well for the commodity side, too. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 180.02 today. That's down 30. October live cattle closed at 181.90, down 85. August feeder cattle closed at 245.92, up 82. September feeder cattle closed at 249.27, up 97. August lean hogs closed at 167, that's up 5. October lean hogs closed at 84.25, down 47. And that's the livestock market conditions. One of the guest speakers at Ag in Motion yesterday afternoon was the Director of Markets and Weather Information for Glacier Farm Media. Bruce Burnett says most crops around the prairies aren't looking very good right now. Crops in most areas, even in the good areas, look to be below average. Not much, but then you get to areas where we're seeing severe stress on the crops and and we're looking at yields that are sort of around crop insurance levels. Uh, So uh, there's a wide range of yields, but certainly there are very few spots that have above average yield potential as we speak here in the middle of July. He lists the crops that are being most impacted by the drought. Crops that are grown in the southwestern, west central areas of Saskatchewan and over into southern Alberta 
those areas primary producers of durum lentils some of the other pulses as well so certainly those crops have been impacted the most by this drought so far burnett tries to compare 2023 to the drought of 2021. Well, the area that I just talked about is worse than 2021 probably even, or at least in some areas it is. And that's what I'm hearing from farmers. They're saying, yeah, you know, this is as bad as it was in 2021 or worse, right? And it's one of those things, like these drier areas in the prairies, this is the third or fourth year of, that farmers have seen drought. Uh, they didn't have great crops last year because we had drought conditions in those regions. And this year it's just gotten worse and expanded. So. Uh, certainly those are the areas of most concern right now but even in other areas of the prairies we just are running out of soil moisture and that's creating this uh, less than normal yield scenario even in good production areas. He provides his thoughts on the impact of this week's rains that they will have on crops. The rains were nice. Rains were needed across the prairies. Unfortunately, if you look at south of the Trans-Canada Highway in Saskatchewan and Alberta, they didn't really really receive very much. And sort of uh, in between the Trans-Canada, let's say up into the northern growing areas, those areas received between 5 and 10, 15 millimeters, uh, which was good. It's, but again, just not going to carry the crop for too long. Then in the north, they got better rains. And those northern areas, the rains were very very well received and we're going into a forecast here that's you know going to be close to 30 across the prairies for most of this week and maybe into next week so that really is going to be critical in those areas to have had that moisture unfortunately the people that missed the moisture it's just going to create more stress for the crops burnett says prince albert received a significant amount of rain on Tuesday. The Tuesday amounts for the precipitation for primary stations, at least anyway, PA got something like 44 and a half millimeters of precipitation, which is very well received. But again, these rains have not been consistent across widespread areas. There are areas up in sort of north central Saskatchewan that only got 15 to 20 millimeters. But uh, again, they'll take the 15 to 20 millimeters. <laughs> Overall, he's expecting below-average crop production this year. Well, if you look at the numbers, let's start off with the Durham lentil crops. We're looking at yield reduction 20-25%. For Durham production, we're looking at about 4.1 million tons. We were anticipating early when you know when the crop was planted this spring that we would see production anywhere between 5, 5.5 million tons this year. So that's very significant, and especially in the world Durham market because... We are the primary suppliers of Durham to the world. We're seeing drop-off in production in Europe. Their production has been reduced. They have some quality problems there as well. North Africa had another poor crop. And even the U.S. crop is going to be below last year's by a little bit, at least anyway, according to the first report from USDA. So Durham's situation is going to be very, very tight in the upcoming year. Burnett expects prices to start reflecting that soon. Yeah, we're seeing the international prices jump over the past couple of weeks here. Uh, that hasn't translated yet into bids in the country. A lot of Durham importers right now are importing Mexican Durham because their crop has been available for the last month, month and a half. But again, that's eventually going to subside and they'll have to come to Canada for some, uh, for some new crop uh, Durham. And uh, I think that's when you're going to see the price response in the prairies. He notes later rains tend to help spring wheat more. 
Basically, spring wheat's grown just about everywhere on the prairies, so south to north. Uh, because those northern areas did pick up some rains, we're going to see a pickup in the yields for spring wheat there. But still, we're going to be down a, a little bit over 10% on spring wheat production this year. So it's not like it's going to save the crop or anything like this. And certainly spring wheat has experienced the same stressful conditions that's in the southern and central growing areas of the prairies as well. And yield potentials are very low. Burnett is expecting canola production to be lower than anticipated. Yeah, certainly. And, and again, with um, the disaster two years ago, um, we were looking for uh, you know, a crop that essentially 18 to 20 million tons is a nice production number for Canada. This means that canola is going to be relatively tight this year. Uh, not as bad as 2021, where we were down 12, 13 million tons but certainly uh, still a substantial drop in production. And with all of the crushing facilities that we have, we need all of the canola that we can get. So he expects canola prices to rise again. Yeah, I, I think again, $20 is gonna be a, a number we're gonna hit eventually in this marketing year. It does depend on some outside factors here. I would say keep a close eye on the US soybean crop progress here over the next month. Because again, the global oilseed situation is relatively tight and certainly when soybean oil starts to rally significantly and it has over the past month or so along with canola that's a good sign that we're going to hit that $20 mark when we're going to hit that I don't know but it probably is going to be sometime in the future um, month two months here. Burnett expects there will be adjustments in the USDA's next crop report. Yeah, so the second week in August is when they'll release their next report. Right now, USDA releases monthly reports. But this is going to be an important number in August because it's the first time that they will have actually gone out and surveyed farmers and fields to determine what the yield potential of the crop is. Up until now, it's been more just a a pencil estimate in from an office type of thing. So they've been projecting a record yield. I don't anticipate that that's going to happen for both either corn or soybeans just because the crop isn't in great shape and the forecast is calling for hot dry weather here over the next two, three weeks. As for stats can numbers. The next estimates, which are estimates that are as of the end of July, essentially, will be released uh, in late August, I do believe. And and so those estimates, though, are going to be a little bit different because they're based on satellite information uh, showing, you know, essentially how much vegetation we have on the prairies. Um, again, after driving through the prairies here, there's not a lot of great vegetation out there. So I think those numbers are going to come in fairly low as well. Burnett showed a vegetation map that had a lot of brown areas on it. And the brown areas are essentially, you know, they have different categories, but much below average. Uh, so, you know, a five-year average of what the crops look like from the satellite's point of view. And, yeah, it's down. If you compare it, let's say, with 2021, which you can do if you go to their website, um, there's still a lot of areas that are better than 2021. But, uh, again, it's uh, one of those situations where we have to see what the weather is over the next two or three weeks before harvest starts. And it will be an early harvest this year, I think, in most areas of the prairies with the heat and some of the drought effects. Uh, we're certainly going to see some harvest uh, happen in the first half of August. 
That's Bruce Burnett. He is the Director of Markets and Weather Information for Glacier Farm Media. He was a guest speaker yesterday afternoon at Ag in Motion near Langham. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up in one minute's time. Commodities update. Canola futures closed down rather sharply right across the board today. November canola closed at 825.80, down $17.20. January canola closed at 825.60, down $14.20. September Minneapolis wheat closed at 887 per bushel, down 15 cents. September Kansas City wheat closed at 860 and a quarter down 14 and a half cents. September Chicago wheat closed at 697 and a half down 29 and a half cents. September corn closed at 527 per bushel that's down 10 and a quarter cents. August soybeans closed at 1501 per bushel that's up six cents. September oats closed at 438 and a half, down five and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to Sask Ag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Manitoba Agriculture has issued its latest crop pest update. Provincial entomologist Dr. John Gavlowski says a number of insects are causing issues in Manitoba crops this week. There's a few of them depending on um, uh, different areas of the province. In the eastern part of the province, we're seeing some higher levels of diamondback moths. So this is an insect that is uh, specific to canola and things in the cabbage family. And they uh, get blown into Manitoba. And it seems there, there was a lot of them in the east and the eastern part of the central region. So more of an eastern Manitoba thing. And there's some higher levels that people are keeping an eye on. Uh, Ligus bugs also in canola. And now that's more widespread across the province. Not a lot of fields having to be sprayed, but people kind of keeping an eye on levels. Some of the fields, they're getting towards the 20 to 30 ligus bug per 10 sweep thresholds. So people are keeping an eye on levels in, of ligus bugs in the canola. Grasshoppers, they remain a concern. There's been some control in pastures and spring cereals recently, and uh, people just keeping an eye on levels around a lot of their fields. The armyworm situation we've been reporting on seems to be uh, fading out as they turn into pupa. So that's good. And this is one we call the true armyworm or cereal armyworm. It affects cereals, not the birth armyworm that affects canola. So, But the armyworms, like I said, are turning to pupa, and they're more or less coming to an end. And the other one, we're just keeping an eye on. In some of the cereals, people are starting to notice a lot of aphids. Now, the tricky part is that cereals are only susceptible to aphids until the soft dough stage. Once the um, the, the grains become very doughy, the aphids won't be doing economic damage anymore. So it's prior to the, the dough stage is that the crop is susceptible. A lot of the fields, the crops, even though the aphids are building, the crops will be beyond where they can do economic damage. He says the banded sunflower moth is also causing some damage in Manitoba. Yeah, so that's one, um, again, more of the eastern region. So 
it, it's, uh, it's a caterpillar that feeds on the florets and also directly on the seeds. So it can be a significant issue. And in the eastern region, there's some fields where people were noticing a lot of the adult moths. So uh, we usually encourage people, if you're seeing any more than about one moth per two plants on average, uh, that's a reasonable economic threshold. So just something for sunflower grows to keep an eye on. You can go and look in your fields early morning or in the e- early evening and just see if you can see a lot of the moths. And we put a picture of them in our updated, not a huge moth, but it's got this very distinctive triangular area on the middle of its front wings. So it's easy enough to identify if there's a lot of them in the field. Dr. John Gavlosky is the provincial entomologist for Manitoba Agriculture, and he's based in Carmen. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today, Partly to mainly sunny with a 25% chance of isolated showers and thunderstorms. Winds west-northwest at 15 to 25 and a high of 26 degrees. For tonight, a 20% chance of scattered showers before clearing off. Winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of 14. For tomorrow, mainly sunny. Winds northwest at 10 to 20 a high of 27, an overnight low of 14. For Sunday, partly sunny, with a 20% chance of isolated afternoon showers and thunderstorms, winds east-northeast at 15 to 30, and a high of 29. For Monday, mainly sunny, a high of 30, and Tuesday, mainly sunny, a high of 31. In the Paw, Dauphin and Brandon, it's 25 degrees. Swan River and Show Lake Russell are at 24, Roblin 23. Regina and Saskatoon are at 26 degrees. Hudson Bay 24, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head 25, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 23. The Yorkton Melville region has a partly cloudy sky. A west wind at 15 kilometers an hour. 51% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 24 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Sask Ag Today for today. Be sure to tune again on Monday at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Sask Egg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.